What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. I'm Alex Miller, joined always by Abigail Ochoa from the Eagle. What's going on, Abigail? Hey, doing good, doing good. And it's our favorite guest one last time. It's Mike Lucas from KAGS. What's going on, Mike? I'm doing good, man. It is the holiday season. My time here in the Brazos Valley is winding down, and there's no pair of Eagle sports writers I'd rather spend an hour or two with or it won't go an hour or two but you know what I mean spend a little bit of time with before the holidays than my two favorite high school football writers in the Brazos Valley well we could easily spend an hour or two rehashing the the action at the state championship games from last week but in a in a couple of minutes Let's let's just kind of summarize what your biggest thoughts and takeaways were. Mike, we can we can start with you. Well, it was my first time ever covering a state championship game in Texas. And when I started this job, one of the things I thought, hey, this job would be cool because of was Texas high school football state championships. And I will tell you, it lived up and exceeded all of my expectations. The only thing that was not cool was Jerry World didn't have media food or media water bottles or anything for the media. Yes. So that's not on the kids. That's on Jerry Jones, who (laughs) I don't like as a Giants fan anyway, so just gives me another reason to hate Jerry Jones. But as far as the atmosphere went, as far as the quality of play went, it was – it was better than advertised, and I went into it thinking it was going to be a 10 out of 10. It was unbelievable. We had 10,000-plus at both our Franklin and College Station games, which I think were two of the lower-attended games out of the weekend just for, for whatever reason or the other. I mean, distance, a lot of different things play a factor in that. I thought the crowds were electric. I thought the play was top-notch. I watched a couple other games, too, that didn't involve Brazos Valley teams. Obviously, at this point in the season, you don't expect to see bad football, but you saw some really, really good football. We saw high-scoring games. We saw low-scoring games. We saw overtime games. We saw – there was no real blowout, blowout, but a couple weren't particularly close. And I think as just a fan, it was on my bucket list when I got to Texas. It should be on every Texas sport fan's bucket list. Go to AT&T Stadium, especially for those bigger schools where they had, I think, what, 46,000 for South Oak Cliff, something absurd like that. That is the atmosphere that you dream of playing in as a kid. It's the atmosphere you kind of dream of playing covering high school football. And as a fan, I, I can't imagine sitting in that in the in the stands watching a game like that and not feeling as invested as you possibly could be, even if you don't have a tie to the schools, because the atmosphere was so cool and the competition level was so high. Abigail. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike said it best. It's just really a like- um, environment to be at it's really fun to cover it's my it was my second time I covered Franklin last year um but it was really cool to get like two days worth of of uh the championships you know you get to see more teams and um it's just a really cool environment to be at um you know I think it was really cool to see Franklin that hard work pay off for them I you really felt like it was a community winning that state championship um, and especially me being there last year, it was just kind of really good to see that come full circle with all these seniors. Um, College Station also, I mean, we didn't expect overtime. I think we're all standing on the sidelines like, wow, this is really going to happen here. Um, it pushed our deadline for sure, but it was fun to watch. Um, <laughs> we were getting nervous there towards the end. But um, yeah, no, it's a really cool environment to be in. Um, I think we all deserve a nap after those two days. Um, so I hope we both got those in. But um, yeah, it was just really fun. Yeah, you know, our fine friends over at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, they they ranked 
uh, the, the 12 games from a neutral fans perspective, what on the field, what were the best games? One to 12. Number two is Franklin Gunner. Number one was college station, Katie Pato. I, I genuinely believe that we did watch the two best games of the weekend. As far as what went down on the field. Um, I think South Oak cliffs win was obviously probably the best game of the weekend, given, given the context of that win. Um, but both of our games from the Brazos Valley, I mean, they lived up to the billing. I mean, Franklin Gunner, those were absolutely the two best teams in 3A Division Two, And then, I mean, College Station Peto, I mean, that was just, it, it was, it was blow after blow. I mean, big play, big play, huge stop. And then, you know, 48 minutes wasn't enough. So they went to overtime and, oh man, I mean, what a, what a heartbreaking loss for the Cougars. I mean, if anyone's ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights, I mean, seeing the Cougars on the field after that, I mean, it just it just felt like you were in that movie scene at the very end where that quarterback gets tackled at the one yard line. But I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. If you the movie's only the movie's only thirty years old, Alex. <laughs> what about the twenty two year olds that haven't seen it yet? Man, have some common decency, buddy. That's that's your fault. <laughs> but you know. Franklin, probably one of the best teams uh, in the Brazos Valley of all time, I'm going to say. I'm going to go on record and say that. And then, you know, College Station really close to having a perfect season in their own regard. And, you know, that loss is going to sting for them. And you can point fingers at a number of different things. But that loss shouldn't take away from what was a very incredible season, season filled with some really great players, but also just some really good kids who are going to go on to be some some really good men down the road. So, ooh, man, what a, you what getting, a Alex, is get, Alex is getting emotional talking about his <laughs> alma mater there. I'll tell you, we us three in this podcast right now, we're standing on the sidelines during that last drive in the fourth quarter in overtime, literally side by side by side. So we're all looking at each other kind of as the fourth down play happened, as – we were thinking, would Coach Huff go for two? Does he go for one? We we were standing right next to each other. Yeah. And you could see Alex's face. I mean, not that not not that we all wanted College Station to win. Listen, we all we're all biased in that sense. We we would much rather cover a team winning a state championship than losing a state championship. But Alex did graduate from College Station High School. Alex may or may not stun all the hand signals that they were calling out during the <laughs> game. Like like that was some good insight from Mister Miller. And to see him kind of have to live through that vicariously as we were all rooting for them at the same time, Alex, that has been tough, man. And I do, I do feel for you a little bit because we're all invested in this team from knowing the kids, knowing the coaches, but not as invested as you based on the fact that I'm sure you know these kids better than we do. And you graduated from that school, what, five years ago? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you grew up watching a lot of those kids, you know, being around and, and seeing them and, you know, really neat that they had an opportunity to play in a game like that and have a chance to win a game like that. And, you know, you feel for them. I mean, you, you feel, you, you see coach Huff and, and jet give that over minute hug to each other. I mean, they wanted that. They really did. Um, and you know, that that's something that, that they're not, that they're not going to get, but you know, it, it, coach Huff said it best. If, if you're going to go out in this thing, like that's, that's the best play to, place to go out. Um, and, and you can't say they didn't leave it all on the field because they did. And, uh, that was a heck of a game. And, uh, 
what what a season to to end I, off in the Brazos Valley. Justin and I went back and we we watched the game again just because in the moment you miss little things you want to see how it really played out. College Station should have won that football game. They left a lot of points on the board and you obviously can't go back, turn the clock back and change the outcome. But that game gets played the same way 10 times over. I think with how the game went, College Station comes away seven, eight times winning that ball game, whether it was the interception late in the first half, the fumble when Jet Jet got crushed. Now also, that was just a perfect play call by Peyto. I mean, it's not like someone missed the block. That was just a perfect defensive play call against the offensive call that the Cougars, uh, the Cougars dialed up. And you give credit to Peyto. I'm not taking anything away from Peyto, Peyto, Tau, Toe, whatever. They deserved to win the game in the fashion they did. But man, oh man, did College Station leave some points and opportunities on the field that they hadn't done all season, which is uncharacteristic. But as you said, Alex, they were a great team this year. Some of those kids are some of my favorite kids I've ever covered. Tennessee here in Boston. I mean, they are high quality kids. It's a high quality staff. And I have no doubt going off what Jet said afterwards about was this a successful season? And, you know, it's tough to look in the moment and say we got silver. It's successful. But go back and listen to that quote. I mean, Jet, to be able to deliver a quote like that and Jackson adding on at the end in that kind of emotional state. I mean, that just, I think, is a testament to the caliber of kids these are and, and the caliber of team coach off runs. Well, like we said in the beginning, we could talk probably for two hours about the state championships, but let's look back at the season as a whole. Um, you know, Abigail, we'll start with you and Mike, we'll go, come back to you. What do you guys feel like was the biggest storyline from the season here in the Brazos Valley? Well, I think we had a lot, to be honest. There was a lot of schools that have very interesting storylines kind of throughout the season as we kind of went through it. it you know, some stories got bigger and better. And um, I think uh, selfishly, just because I started off the season with this story, the Huffs and the Ezars, I think that was a huge one, specifically the Huffs, um, being able to, you know, the, if we look back at that story, the quotes in there were saying, you know, Jet was like, I, we have to get back. You know, I want to play in a state title game with my dad coaching me. And for them to like have that dream realized within a few months of, of you know, saying that quote it, it was just really cool to see that kind of all come together obviously the Ezar is able to make history at rudder too so a great job for them even though um you know they didn't go as far in the playoffs but I think when you look it, it's not normal to have two local teams uh, much less just teams in your area have a father-son uh a coach quarterback duo kind of thing so I think that was a really cool um storyline there um and I think Brian too I mean them coming back um, to, to make it to the playoffs at all. Um, that was pretty cool locally. So those would be my two um, as kind of the big ones this year. I like all three of those, but I think Franklin's the number one storyline. They lose by one point in heartbreak fashion at AT&T Stadium in the championship game last year. They make it their mission to come back and right last season's wrong. They start the season ranked number one. They get a scare in week one against Lorraine. A 28-20 comes down to the final final stretch. After that game, they don't get tested again until the state semifinals. They go coast to coast, wire to wire, as the number one team in the state, absolutely demolishing every district opponent. I think the closest game they played was 57 points. I mean, it wasn't even fair how much better they were than the competition within their own district. To go into the postseason then, 
and continue to put butt whooping on butt whooping on their opponents to get to Wascom, face some adversity for the first time in 13 weeks, find a way to make a massive defensive stop. And then Bobby Washington comes back and scores a 57 yard touchdown to seal that deal to come into the state championship game against the Gunter team that on paper was just as good as they were to go toe to toe, enter the fourth quarter, 35, 35. And then for Franklin to stand up and say, Nah, fam. We've been here before. We are not squandering another lead like this. This is our state championship. This is our time to bring a gold trophy back to Franklin for the first time in over a century. We're not messing this up. They outscore Gunter 14-0 in that final quarter, cementing themselves as one of the greatest 3AD2 teams ever. Ever. Dave uh, Greg Tepper tweeted out a stat. Franklin scored 911 points this year. It's the fourth highest scoring team in UIL history in a single season. They're the highest 3A Division II scoring team ever in UIL history. And for them to go from where they were last year to where they are now 364 days later to complete that 164 redemption tour, in my opinion, was the biggest sports storyline in the Brazos Valley this year as far as high school football is concerned. I think the biggest storyline for me was uh, Rudder making the playoffs for the first time ever. I mean, we knew that it was kind of building toward happening, but the fact that they were actually able to do it, you know, that was monumental. And and it all really started by that win over Huntsville to start district play. And, you know, the fact that EJ Ezar really had to fight through some, some torn ligaments in his leg throughout the second half of the season. I mean, the, he's a warrior. He is a warrior. I mean, the kid showed absolute guts and grit through some of those games. And, you know, it, it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows because, you know, they lose that regular season finale to Lamar Consolidated. They they barely got by full shear. I mean, ball bounces one wrong way. And, and I mean, they're out again. Um, but, you know, hats off to Coach Ezar and company for, for getting that, that goal accomplished. Um you know, what a gut-riching loss they had in the bi-district round to Marshall, a game that they probably should have won. You know, we talk about overtime. We talk about that college division Payto overtime game. I mean, I forget that six weeks earlier I was in Marshall, Texas, and Rudder probably should win that game to go to the second round of the playoffs and play Crosby. Um, but, you know, that went in the cards, but kind of like kind of like how college station felt after that game you know rudder might not see that season as as a success there in the moment but years from now they're going to be able to look back and be like hey that was us we broke that barrier and and the uh, the, the the following rudder teams that that make the playoffs they can point back to that team of hey they did it first we're falling in their footsteps that was a big that was a big uh hurdle to overcome for the rudder rangers we have a lot of really good players in the Brazos Valley. I, I think we can all agree with that. Who who do y'all think was your player of the year uh, here in our area? Abigail, you can start oh, with this one. Okay. <laughs> well, and Alex said that we were gonna. He was gonna ask this question. I was like, oh no, because it's so it, the fact the amount of teams that we had good teams this year. Um, you know, trying to pick one player is it's like. I don't know, maybe a parent pick, trying to pick their favorite kid or something. But, um, you know, I think Malcolm Murphy is a pretty good one to have up there. Obviously, he gets offensive MVP, um, arguably could have got both um, defensive and offensive MVP um, at the state title game. He's just really kind of like 
at the heartbeat of that team, I think that Franklin team, um, he was a big part of last season and he comes back this year. He's, he has a goal in mind. He obviously has help with Bryson Washington and, and Marcus Wade even back there with him. But I think he's such a dynamic player. He he's when they were in trouble, Franklin, you know, when it gets tied up, they give him the ball. He's the guy that you want on your team when you're in those moments. And I think he really, he really proved that um, this season, especially for Franklin. It was really good to just see him. Uh, you could, t- I, you know, I don't know who I mentioned this to, but that guy was made for press com- post game press conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had, he was just so happy <laughs> and he gave it gr- gr- great quotes and um, he was just, it really, you could see the hard work paying off for him. So um, I think he would be my probably player of the year. To quote him, big time players make big time plays, and he said he was a big time player. So a little, a little backstory to that quote, by the way. We asked him last year before the state championship game if he was ready to put on his best performance on the biggest stage, and he said that exact quote. And every time we talked to him this year, at least every time I talked to him this year, which was half a dozen or more times, he said, I'm going back to that stage. I'm making big plays because I'm in big-time games, big-time players make big-time plays, and I'm a big-time player. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to walk the walk with that. And how about 284 touchdowns and two interceptions? I mean, that is the epitome of a big-time player making big-time plays in a big-time game. Malcolm Murphy, a phenomenal choice, Abigail. Uh, you're right. This is an impossible question, but it's a good question. And I'm going to go with Jet Huff here. I think Marquise Collins was maybe – the best player on College Station offense this year. I mean, look what he did in the playoffs when they needed things to happen. Collins was the workhorse. He had 193 in the championship game. But Huff and his mastery of the Cougars' offensive system, his ability to distribute the ball to all their different weapons, Traylon Sewell, Dalton Carnes, Houston Thomas, Bradley Jones, Nate Palmer, Marquise They had so many different guys who needed touches to keep the chemistry on that offensive unit together. I would give the slight nod to Huff in that regard. And he also threw 42 touchdowns and over 3,000 yards and broke every passing record in College Station uh, program history. So it's not like his numbers don't match what he did for that team. But I just think his ability to be the facilitator in that offense with so many different weapons, I would give him the slight edge over any of the guys on Franklin, over Collins. I mean, this is like picking hairs, but... In my book, Jet Huff was the most valuable player. And defensively, just while we're on it, uh, Jackson Slanker doesn't get enough credit. He had 194 tackles this year. The kid is absurd. We were archiving the state championship game on Monday. I swear he was in every play. I know Katie Pato ran the ball at the middle every time. So, yeah, middle linebacker is going to be around the ball a lot. That kid's unbelievable. And it's – I don't want to say it's not fair that defense doesn't get as much love as offense when you're showing highlights in TV. It's just how it works. But Jackson Slanker deserves every ounce of credit that we're going to give him, that the state should give him. He's an unbelievable middle linebacker. That whole defense was phenomenal. But Slanker in particular just was a magnet to the football. And what he did this year, week after week after week, uh, can't be praised enough. I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here. Um, I'm going to say Paxton Hancock from Centerville. Because this dude, this dude had a phenomenal season and, you know, Centerville, they make it to the fourth round of the playoffs. They hang with Timpson for the first half. You know, Timpson really shows their pedigree pulling away there in that second that second half in the regional final game. But, 
I mean, this guy rushed for over 2,000 yards. He had 20 touchdowns, district MVP. And let's not forget, this guy broke his femur last year. I mean, that is a gruesome injury. So the redemption story that Paxton Hancock this season really kind of flew under the radar. But, I mean, he he really was the glue of that Centerville Tigers team. And let's not forget, this guy was a junior. He's coming back next year. Centerville is going to be really good with that really, duo really good. of Paxton Hancock and Andrew Newman. Not to mention, you got another guy in Halston French who can really make some plays. Oh, let's also not forget, Paxton Hancock plays linebacker. He he's a two way player, kind of like how we mentioned how Malcolm Murphy made plays on both sides of the ball. I mean, he he is really the cornerstone of that defense too. Um, so that that Centerville team is going to be really good next year, and it's going to start with Paxton Hancock on on both sides of the ball. Can I can I mention one more name who I think yeah, deserves to be mentioned here? How about Levi Hancock at Brazos Christian? Oh, absolutely. Superstar quarterback, their best pass rusher, the number one ranked long snapper in the country. The offensive numbers that Brazos Christian has put up over the last three years are astronomical. It is Madden on rookie, advanced player level statistics. And Hancock, what he does as a runner and a passer back there for the Eagles, simply phenomenal. And then you add in the fact that on third and long, he comes in as a pass rusher. And I believe he had double-digit sacks for the second consecutive season this year. That kid is an absolute stud. He's going to be a walk-on at A&M. Hey, they could use him in the bowl game. That's not going to happen. You might as well just bring him on now. He could long snap, throw the ball 30 yards downfield, 40 yards downfield. Uh, but he deserves to be in this conversation as the best player in their respective classification in the Brazos Valley. It would be a disservice for us to not mention Levi Hancock. Let this conversation be a disclaimer that Abigail and I are going to have a really difficult time picking our all Brazos Valley team next week. You guys have a second team and a third. We team? do have a second team. We yeah. might have to make a third team. I'm kidding. We don't have rim. We don't have a rim in the paper for that. I will say my three years here, there was more talent dispersed across the entire Brazos Valley than we had seen in a long time. We may have had a little more top end talent and we had the three guys at Consol who went power five and, you know, we didn't have three power five guys this year, but across the board, I mean, the top end talent was elite and we didn't even see Jared Kerr who was a Texas A&M signing because he was hurt all season. So you add him to the mix and the level of football being played in the Brazos Valley right now, astronomical. Well, there were a lot of good games. What was the game of the year that you covered um, and you can pick a couple. I'll let you pick a couple because I think it's going to be hard to narrow it down to one. Am I starting here? You can, yeah, you, you can start, ahead, Mike. Mike. Uh, I mean, I think the two state championship games have to be up there. Uh, those were just fun. I would say the Franklin-Wascom game in the state semis was an awesome game. I mean, it was back and forth. First time Franklin got tested, you weren't sure how they'd respond. They came back. They threw their haymaker. Uh, what else? I liked covering any college station game this year because they gave me points in a hurry. That was always fun. Uh, I also, I don't know if this qualifies as a good game, but for the portion of the game I was there, uh, week one, Consol versus Waco U when Brody Daniel threw four touchdowns in the first like seven minutes of the game. That was a lot of fun to cover. You know what, Alex? A lot of our games of the weeks were duds this year. I'm not going to lie. We would pick a game of the week and it wouldn't turn out to be close. Last year, that Lexington-Rockdale game, lived up to the hype and turned out to be the best game of the year without a doubt to me this year. A lot of them just didn't kind of live to that hype. You know, I think Consol Huntsville, that should always be a good game 
Arkansas dominates them. So I'll say the best game of the year I covered outside of the state championships was Burton Granger back when they met in the regular season. And that was going to decide the district title before Burton had to forfeit all their games. And that was back and forth in the first half before I left. Burton pulled away in the second. But that was a really fun game to be at, especially because Coach Hody's offense from week to week looks totally different. You literally don't know what you're going to get heading into any matchup. They threw the ball a little more in that game. So I would pick that as my number one game I covered this year outside of the two state championships. Yeah, I think like Mike said, obviously the the last two that we got were, were pretty good ones to have up there. But um, I didn't have too much to choose from. I only covered College Station in uh, Kansas, maybe Rudder a few times. But, um, you know, all those co- College Station playoff games were pretty uh, fun to see. Jen Ryan, Mansfield Summit. Um, but I think when we're kind of looking at just kind of it meaning more, that Mag West game with College Station, I that first half was – Really fun to watch, really fun to cover. Obviously, College Station runs away with it at the end, um, which we figured would happen. Um, but that was pretty cool. I got to see Kinsaw at Lake Creek, I think. I don't think it was Montgomery. I think it was Lake Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brody Daniel goes down with a concussion, and they have to run the Wildcat the rest of the way with Tyndall McNamara back there. Um, it was just really odd to see that happen. I didn't expect it from Kinsaw, but, you know, they were able to pull that out and, and pull out a win after being down at halftime. So, um, I would say those two are probably up there if we're not counting the, the state title games. Yeah, I would say mine, that College Station Ditton Ryan game was really good. Um, and, and, you know, that was the one that, you know, we were all kind of like, okay, if it gets there, it's going to happen. And if it does, it's going to be really good. Yeah. And it lived up to the hype. Um, that was a really good game. And, you know, that, that was one where Marquise Collins, I feel like really like started to cement himself of this is a really special season, a really special postseason. I mean, the yeah. dude runs for over a thousand yards in the, in the postseason, just insane. Um, but you know, college station being able to go toe to toe with, with such a talented team like that and beat them was, was really impressive. And, you know, you, you, you saw how much they wanted that. Uh, especially after really getting kicked around last year against probably one of the best teams of all time. That Denton Ryan team last year was insanely talented. I go back to that Rudder Huntsville game though. I mean, that's really where Rudder's run started and uh, it ended with a little bit of controversy with the fumble in the end zone. (laughs) That was fun. You know, referees are standing around for almost two minutes like, what are we going to say? And then they finally said they fumbled it, rudder recovered, game over. Um, What a game. And, and, you know, I'd mentioned earlier about EJ Izar. That was the game that he got hurt where, where he really tore up his ankle. And I remember texting Abigail in that game like, Hey, this dude's done. Like, I, like he he looked really hurt, and the fact that he was able to play on that was just nuts. I mean, the dude, the dude really showed some guts and uh, was able to lead them to a really big win. I thought Kinsall had a couple of really good games. That Montgomery game, when it came down to the last play, I mean, you felt for Will Hargett, you know, kind of getting caught off guard, fumbling the snap. It's not able to throw a potential game tying touchdown to go to overtime. And then the, the, the last game that they lost against Crosby 53 to 50. I mean, Oh my gosh. I was like, whoo. The area around the area around game against Barbers Hill was great too. The area around game against Barbers Hill was incredible. I mean, Consol really had some great games. Um, 
And, you know, the fact that Will Hargy was able to really step up and, and getting Keyshawn Thomas back was huge. Um, so, yeah. Uh, single-handedly, though, the best performance of the year, in my opinion, was maybe Trey Taylor's game against Huntsville, where he ran Unreal. for 365 yards. And he should have had 400 had someone not had a tacky block in the back call when he was 40 yards downfield on like a 60 yard touchdown run. I mean, the depth that Consol showed at running back this year was pretty, pretty wild. Insane. I remember I was at that game, Alex, and I was like, am I going to get highlights? Like Huntsville's defense is good. Consol's down to their fourth string running back, allegedly. And Trey Taylor comes out and scores like seven touchdowns in the first half. And I remember tweeting out the score and the highlights that night. And I just said, Hey, October 30th from now on is named Trey Taylor day. Like, and he will never tell me that that day is not Trey Taylor's day. That was the best performance I've seen all season from a backup running back, hands down, hands down. And I didn't see Marquise Collins versus Lone Star. Abigail, you were there, and I'm sure it rivals that. But, I mean, those two put on some special running back performances in the Brass Valley. For sure. Oh, yeah, wait. I'll say the best performance that I saw was (laughs) Trey Taylor. I think Marquise Collins against Lone Star is probably the single best. There's been a lot of games that I've watched. <laughs> and it was, y'all a great have season. it was a great season. It was a great football. season. Okay. We'll wrap it up with this because I always like looking ahead and I'm already counting down the days to the 2022 season. Who's a team that you're, you're kind of high on and optimistic about heading into next season. And, and Mike, we know that, you know, you, you might not be around, but I know you'll be watching from afar. I will. Uh, you already mentioned Centerville. I think they're the, the team that we all should keep an eye on. So I'll give you a curveball. I really like Allen Academy next season. They played a ton of underclassmen. Ethan Lucas was a sophomore who started in the state championship two years ago. They had to replace all the weapons they had on offense and Brent Tucker and Bogner on the outside. They bring almost everyone back from this year's team, which defensively, I love Coach Adams. They got to fix the defense. I mean, they let up 100 points and they had some basketball-like scores. So they got to fix the defense. I believe in that staff. I believe in Coach Adams to right the ship in that regard. But offensively, I love Ethan Lucas at quarterback. I think they have some great weapons on the outside who were underclassmen who got valuable playing time this year. And I just kind of trust the system and the philosophy of which they play six-man football with. And I think with the right pieces around a quarterback like Lucas in an offensive game like six-man football where a great quarterback can be the ultimate equalizer – when maybe talent isn't as high as it was in the past. I think Allen Academy is a team that as these younger kids become upperclassmen, have a chance to get back to the status we saw them at last year when they lost in the state championship game. Abigail. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I had down Cinderville. So let me, uh, I'm thinking a, a bit here. Um, obviously all the local teams will have significant turnover. Uh, a lot of good seniors leaving out of the four local uh High schools, uh, I'm interested to see Brian, what they do, losing those seniors, especially Nick Carraway and Dwayne Ballhill and um, all those guys. They obviously get a new head coach, so that'll be interesting um, to see. I think Cameron I'm also interested in as well. Um, They had a lot of young talent this year, um, and I think they were just trying to figure themselves out, um, especially with Rhodes coming in um, or coming back, I guess you could say, um, to that team. So it'll be interesting to see. how they take kind of that learning. They obviously had a tough start. Uh, I think they were 0-5 or something like that. It was a rough start there. Um, 
Franklin, I guess we could say as well. I mean, they're moving um, up a division. Um, maybe possibly with Lorena, we don't know, which will be interesting. It's going to be a great district if those two end up as <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We saw the Lorena game, uh, the state title game when they won, and I thought, wow, it'll be really interesting to see if Franklin gets paired up with them next year. So um, I think those, all those, I know it was a jumbled mess. I just listed off a bunch, but um, I think Cinderella at the top and then kind of everybody else uh, at the bottom will be pretty interesting. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now I, I'm I'm really curious what those AM Consolidated Tigers are gonna look like yep. next year. I mean, Will Hargett was a freshman this year, and at times he played like a freshman, but that kid really grew up in that postseason run, and I think those games are gonna be really valuable to him. And and you know he, he I I think I think we see him take an, a a real big step forward next season, taking over as likely their starting quarterback. You know, they got Trey Taylor. They've got Keyshawn Thomas. I mean, they lose they lose some really big guys on defense when you talk about Jaden Thomas and Tyndall McNamara, but they've got they've got Joey Lightfoot, they've got Hudson House and uh Kaze Q. I mean he he filled he was a backup to start the season and played after one of their senior starters got broke his leg in the first game of the season. Uh Mo Fochetti, who we haven't mentioned so far. I mean, that dude was all over the place. He had three interceptions in one game, not to mention he's a pretty good kicker and a punter, too. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, Wesley Graves is back, too. Wesley Graves is back. Did, did we figure out that it's Graves? I know that okay. was something. I, I, I know that's got, something that we've talked about, and I haven't I got had a chance email to ask from Wesley. His, I actually got – so I asked Wesley. Okay. And he says, I don't care. I got an email from his dad who listened to the podcast. So, Mr. Graves and or Greaves, however you like to go by, uh, we appreciate you listening. He said that either is acceptable. He prefers one way. Mrs. Graves prefers the other way. And it, there's, uh, I could try pulling up the email real quick before we end the podcast, but there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, is this the email right here? You talk, I'll find the email. I'll read you the exact, the exact thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I, I think the, I think that can solve, they really showed some promises here and you know, had they been able to beat Crosby, uh, you know, they're looking at they're looking at probably getting to that fifth round. You know, they would have had to play Liberty Hill, who, you know, went to the state championship game and lost to South Oak Cliff. But uh, that was a really good run from a Tigers team that, you know, Coach Fedora really had to improvise a lot, especially on offense throughout the season. All right, go ahead, Mike. Okay, so this is from Craig Graves. So once again, shout out, Craig. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to read the, the email. Nothing's private here. So I he says, quote, I just finished listening to a recent Brazos Sports prep cast, found your commentary on what the proper pronunciation of Graves is to be quite humorous. Probably more information than you want to know. Not true, Mr. Graves. We do want to know this stuff. We do want to know. But, quote, most Graves in Texas pronounce the name with the first E silent i.e. Graves, but I have kinfolk that pronounce it the way Alex did on the podcast, Greaves. So I would say both of you are right, but personally, I prefer it as being pronounced Graves. And then he said his ex-wife prefers Greaves. So there you go. We are we are both right and both wrong, Mr. Graves. We appreciate you listening. Wesley, as long as you score touchdowns, I don't think Wesley's going to care what we call him. That's right. And while we were trying to figure that out, he just caught a screen pass and ran 80 yards down the sideline for a touchdown. So, 
All right. Who did? Wesley. Because that's, that's what he did a lot. <laughs> or over the top on a post route. Okay. Well, that's that was a good sidetrack. I, I appreciate that sidetrack. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mike, <laughs> I'm going to close with you since since uh, your time in the Brazos Valley is coming to a wrap. What was what was maybe be the 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 best thing or your best memory covering high school football in your three years? It, it's going to be Franklin winning the state championship and that celebration. But I'm I'm going to say this: I came to this area of Texas. I had never been here before. I got offered the job. I didn't visit. I didn't see KAGs. I just knew AM was close. And I knew high school football in Texas was big. And I will tell you guys, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, the people here, the players, the kids, and the coaches could not have been nicer, more inviting, friendlier, more helpful. I mean, we are talking of the majority of coaches, football, basketball, baseball, softball, you name it. There is a select few who were not a pleasure to work with throughout the years seriously a select select fee we're talking on single hands two or three at at most who weren't always willing to help out with whatever we needed and when i leave and wherever i go next i'm I'm still not quite sure that's something i'll never forget was the people here the coaches the players just kind of hey you sound weird you're not from here are you no well i I don't care come in let's talk and and seriously I, i cannot appreciate you guys enough for kind of taking in a Jersey kid that, that doesn't have a place to call home and making the Brazos Valley home for three years. So seriously, everyone who listens, I do appreciate you more than, more than you probably know. Well, Mike, we're going to miss you, man. You're a we heck of a storyteller. <laughs> yes. Thank you, thank you. We appreciate you coming on the podcast all the hey, time. Can I give one more shout out real quick? Of course. Go for it. Listen, football season is over with the bowl game being canceled. It is time now to support your local National Lacrosse League team, Panther City Lacrosse Club out of Dallas-Fort Worth area. They have not won a game yet. They're 0-3 in franchise history. They've never won a game. But the reason they haven't won a game is because you guys haven't supported them yet. As soon as you guys hop on the PCLC bandwagon, they're not going to lose another game. They have a great arena. They play at Dickey's Arena. Their social media team's elite. You got to start following. There's no football. Basketball doesn't start till March Madness lacrosse is the sport of the future and by the future i mean the next two weeks until basketball comes back and we can care about a real sport go panther city there we go all right that's gonna do it for this podcast y'all did not see that coming did you no we did not (laughs) did not at all hey hey it's okay in my books all right mike we appreciate you we love you for coming on all the time and uh we're looking forward to see wherever life takes you I appreciate you guys too. Thanks so much, guys. All right. That's going to do it for this Brazos Sports Preps cast. Thanks for tuning in all season. Thanks for following, tweeting, podcasting with us. And uh, be sure to check the U.com as we roll into the offseason and the basketball season. So we'll see you next time.